0: This morning we are continuing our series in the book of Exodus as we look at the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And this morning I want to again remind us that God has redeemed you and I in order to reconcile us to himself in order to restore us under his sovereign rule and call us to reflect and represent him in this world for his renown. Did you know that God uses your submission to his reign, his will, his word, his truth, He uses your submission to these things in response to his love, lordship, grace, and glory, his being, to spread his kingdom in this world. The world can and will change for the better when you love Jesus and live for the nations also to love Jesus The world changing for the better rises and falls all the time depending on whether Jesus is being loved by you or not Your love for Jesus which so often looks like loving other people is world changing The questions that remain are, will the world change for the better on your watch? Will you contribute to the increase of God's kingdom, the increase of love for Jesus and others? Or will world-changing love for Jesus stagnate on your watch. Is the increase of God's kingdom, His will, His word, His fame on earth as in heaven, the chief priority in your life? is your chief aim to love God and others through Jesus and promote the same wherever you go for a better world? Is the increase of God's kingdom, His will, His word, His fame, His truth, on earth as in heaven, the chief priority in your life? Well, some of those questions can be quite searching. We are continuing our study this morning of the Ten Commandments by looking at the Third Commandment from the title, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. The command states, and you will find this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. The command states, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We have been reminding ourselves as we look at these commandments, that each commandment must be read with the preface as the overarching foundation and motivation for our obedience to these commandments. I am the Lord thy God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, in this case, you shall not take the name of the Lord your god in vain for the lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain your identity your obedience and devotion to the lord are never ever to be separated from the lord's being his words and his works the prefatory motivation is a positive one the lord is your god and he has delivered you from spiritual slavery and death for the purpose of his glory in you and in his world. For Israel, they had been delivered from the oppression and affliction of the Egyptian superpower and Pharaoh, Egypt's wicked leader. For you, Jesus has delivered you by his exodus in Jerusalem from your enslavement to Satan's tyrannical dominion. The Lord brought Israel out of Egypt's house and made them a house for his name, as one author stated. The Lord has brought you out of bondage to sin and Satan and made you his very own house and dwelling place, his headquarters on earth. In addition to these very positive motivations that can be drawn from the preface, The third commandment itself has a very chilling, built-in warning for misusing the Lord, your God's holy, holy, holy name. The Lord will not consider you innocent, but guilty before him if you vainly use his name. Guilty people get reprimanded and disciplined. That's not meant to give you warm and fuzzy feelings, but to remind you that our God is a consuming fire. And if you play with this fire, there is an absolute certainty that you will get burnt. There will be some kind of disciplinary action The aim of this warning, however, like all God's commandments, is love. God loves you and does not want you to get burnt. When I say burnt, I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about there's some kind of reprimand that you will experience if you play around with God's name in a vain way. If you have ever had the privilege of babysitting or watching children, children simply don't know the unbending laws of heat and fire. When they navigate their little hands towards a hot plate or oven, you react out of love. You warn with firmness, with a heart filled with love, to call them away from danger. Their entry into dangerous territory moves you. You get out of your seat and run to the rescue and seek to restore them under your rightful loving authority and supervision. Well, God is love, and he is jealous for his name to be honored by you, in you, through you, and for you, and for his glory. The reason, of course, is because biblically a name is far more than a simple label. As so many others have pointed out, you have a name. As someone helpfully stated, your name is your handle. If someone wants to get a hold of you while you're walking by, they say your name. If they simply say, hey... Well, you know how the saying goes, hey is for horses, but it has, in the English language, become a form of saying you. But if they simply say hey, that could refer to anyone. But if someone says your name, then you respond. This is true, and, and yet in the Bible a name is far, far more than a simple label. Or handle. In the Bible your name is you in some sense. Your name spells out your nature, your character, what's true of you or about you, your abilities perhaps, your works with whom you identify and to whom you belong. Your name is you, your personality, your reputation. And this is especially and preeminently true of the Lord. His name spells out His majesty, His holy character, His splendor, His zeal, His power, His wisdom and grace, His justice and mercy, His ways. And we could talk all day about the multitude of ways that the Lord's name reveals His very being. With that said, it doesn't take a Ph.D. to comprehend why you and I should not be playing around the fire of God's name. How you use God's name and why trains you and teaches others how to view, think about, and respond to the being of the Lord Himself. When you speak God's name, you are talking about God Himself. You and I should always have a reverent, awe-inspiring, faith stirring reason for saying the Lord's name. Reasons like blessing Him, praying to Him, giving thanks to Him, bearing witness to Him so others will believe in His name, believe in Him. Your motivation and reasons for engaging your oratory faculties to invoke the Lord's name should be for His glory. I know a man who lived among the uh, Muslims and witnessed, some of you met him, for over 30 years and testifies that Muslims who, who don't truly know God with their speech at least, honor God much more than we Christians do. That's a bit embarrassing, to say the least. Last week we talked about Moses' desire to see God's face, to see his glory. Instead, God proclaimed his name to him. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Exodus chapter 34. This divine proclamation is far more than a Label. It is who God is at the core of his being. It's his reputation. And he says, Who by no means clear the guilty, but he visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God will not hold him guiltless who misuses. Takes his name in vain. And we talked last week about how this cycle of generational judgment can be broken by repentance. But God is very serious about his name, it's his reputation. Moreover, this reputation of God was embodied and took flesh and blood form in Jesus Christ of whom it is said and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the only son from the Father full of grace and truth for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God the only God who is at the Father's side He has made him known. Jesus embodies the name of the Lord. The Lord's name is inseparably tied to who he is in his essence. How would you handle Jesus if he were standing right in front of you? He's in the room right now with you anyway. I would hope that you would bow down with awestruck worship and with joy and trembling, revere him with absolute care and devotion. Well, that is how you should handle his name also. Have you ever flippantly texted someone or said, OMG, OMG, If and when you did, was it because you were worshiping God, praying to Him, blessing Him, giving Him thanks, witnessing for Him, simply overwhelmed by His beauty and majesty? Yes, God cares about how you text His name or what could be perceived as a reference to Him to others. When the Lord says He won't hold you guiltless for using His name flippantly or as a curse word or as an emotive expletive when you jam your finger in the door, it means you and I should confess our sin and repent for all the ways with our mouth and thoughts we have vainly used or thought of God's name. It obviously goes deeper still. God says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Hebrew word for take means to bear, to carry, or to lift up. And not only deals with our lips, but with our lives as well. Jesus is in the room. More specifically, he's in his temple. He's inside of you. You can, like the Muslims, seek to honor God, or at least what they think of God, with your lips alone honor Him, and yet your heart can be the farthest thing from God. How does that work when Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? Well, Jesus calls it hypocrisy. You and I have the twisted ability of sounding spiritual when we're not. To bear the Lord's name is a blessed privilege and responsibility. To bear or take up God's name on your lips demands a certain type of lifestyle. Paul, quoting Moses, told Timothy, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity." Paul is clear, if you and I are going to claim the Lord's name and take it up in praise, prayer, and witness, we are commanded to depart from iniquity so our lives reflect the character conveyed by the Lord's name. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Obedience is primary and important to Jesus. It's important that you love Him. He loved you first. Again, Paul says to Titus about the disobedient they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Here Paul is saying of those who profess to know God. They say like those in Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, but they don't have a clue. Their works prove they are not true to God's name. God's name, his triune name, Father Son, and Holy Spirit, that name is on you. You were baptized into that name. And so your lifestyle is meant to reflect the truth found in that triune name. The name Father is on you. God loves you, has adopted you, and accepted you into His family. You belong to Him. And so you have no reason to remain in a state of prayerless anxiety and distrust as if you have no refuge. If you do those sorts of things, you dishonor God's name as if to cast a shadow of suspicion on the reliability of his character. God the Son's name, Jesus, is on you. He has saved you from condemnation and daily keeps you from stumbling back into perverted ways. And yet if you are racked with guilt over past sins and can't believe that God is able to forgive you, or you are not repenting but allowing sin in your life to go unchecked, you're dishonoring God's name. Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient to deal with all your sins and perverted ways. Jesus is able to give you grace and mercy to handle every temptation that you encounter. God the Holy Spirit's name is on you. If you and I are living like an orphan failing to love others, joyless, argumentative, impatient, unkind, rude, harsh, unfaithful, or out of control, you and I are dishonoring the name because we are called to be filled with the Spirit of God and reflect His character. We are called saints. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard followers of Jesus say, I'm no saint. I'd probably be rich. If you believe in Jesus, you are a saint. You are a holy one. You've been separated from sin, separated by God, separated for God. Living holy reflects God's name, His character, His being. In the same way, living an unholy life and in unholy ways not only is a vain use of God's name you're called to bear and carry up in your life as well as your lips, it leads leads others astray into blaspheming God's holy name with their lips and lives also. Paul said to Jewish people who were not upholding the law of God in their lives. They were not loving the God who loved them first. Paul, quoting Isaiah, said to them, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles, the nations, because of you. And in context, he means because of your disobedience. You find that in Romans chapter 2, verse 17 and following. Do you get chills when you're watching a movie and one of the actors uses God's name in vain, like in a curse or an expletive because they are angered by something or someone? I hope you do get chills, but I hope you do more. I would hope that you would learn at that moment to start looking at movie reviews before you watch a movie. And not only to see if there's sex, violence, and vulgarity, all things that, by the way, should limit your viewing considerably, but to see if God's name is also misused. It's probably a learning curve in our culture, but why watch? Why even pay someone to fill your ears, your eyes, and your mind, and potentially your life, with the vain use, abuse, and misuse of the holy, holy, holy name of God, who, by the way, happens to be your Lord and Savior. You might say, I hope you wouldn't, but you might say, oh, they're just acting. This type of careless response makes it seem like you also are acting in relation to your faith in Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't acting. He's your Lord and Savior, and He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. David, a man after God's own heart, said, I will ponder the way that is blameless. I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. See, God knew that there were some reprehensible internet sites coming in the future. David says, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. And he ends by saying, Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Psalm 101. You do know that you are now the city of the Lord. You are now His dwelling place. So much of what's on the silver screen, we we should say, in light of some of the stuff there, morning by morning I will turn off, change the channel. Not just aimlessly hit the remote control, but actually read the TV guide to see what's on before you wind up switching a channel to something that you shouldn't be looking at and get caught. Morning by morning, I will... Turn it off from this part of God's city. What you watch and allow into your eyes and ears will affect you and infect you. Take great care on what you allow into your life. You are not blasphemy-proof. You will find yourself echoing and parroting some of the things you've heard. The way to keep evil from clinging to you is to make plans to protect yourself from unnecessary self-inflicted exposure to things that can infect you. Peter says of Lot that in Sodom he was greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul... Over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Passions of the flesh wage war against your soul. It's not worth it for your own good, and really not worth it when you consider the goodness of the Lord towards you. And that's the real key, isn't it? David opens Psalm 101 by saying, and this is the foundation and motivation for the care and limits he puts on himself, he says, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord, I will make music. Oh, when will you come to me? Worship of the Lord. For His steadfast covenant love revealed in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ is the thing that will promote holiness and reverence for the Lord. When you consider what you were outside of Christ and how through Him you are now a child of God who can cry out, Abba, Father, just like the prayer, it leads you with zeal to say and pray, Hallowed be thy name on earth as it is in heaven. David saw the goodness of the Lord, his pardoning power and steadfast love in view of his own sin and said, To you, O Lord, I will make music. Does the gospel lead you just to sing to God and bless His name? David was looking for the Lord to come to him in his day and one day you are going to go be with Jesus and bow down and call him Lord and worship at his feet. And that's real. And it should affect the way his name is handled, your life is handled the things you allow to influence you that you have control over, a great many of them, some of the things you don't have control over, but it's a great many things that we do have control over, allowing in and out of our lives. Our lifestyle and its connection to the Lord's name is further highlighted by Paul in Colossians 3, verse 17, where he says, and whatever you do, in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Paul is saying that everything we say and everything that we do, we say it in the name of Jesus. It's like you're signing Jesus' name to it. Paul is telling us that everything you and I say and do is a direct reflection on Jesus Christ and God the Father. See, you, your words, your deeds, they all matter so much to God and the world in which we live. Your life really is wonderful and glorious and waiting. You bear the image of God and you bear the name of the Lord and that name, just like the second commandment, its truths are to be reflected in your very life. You, your lives are letters from Christ written by the Spirit of God in order to recommend Jesus to each other and the world. Just like the name that was proclaimed to Moses, God is merciful. That calls us to be merciful. And that's a way in which we bear that name. When you show mercy, you're bearing the name of the Lord. God is gracious, and when you're gracious, you are taking up and bearing the name of the Lord. When it says that God will by no means clear the guilty, when you're serious about sin, you're bearing and taking up the name of the Lord. And all of those characteristics given there of God, forgiving, wickedness transgression and sin when you forgive people you're bearing the name when you and so obviously when you don't forgive you're making god look bad because his name is on you and you're called by his name and you're making his name look bad it's like you've written graffiti over top of his name with the way you're acting not forgiving And so we need to bear the name, we need to understand that our words and our deeds, they matter so much to God and the world in which we live. Your life is weighty. You bear the image of God and you bear the name of the Lord and that name, just like the second commandment, its truths are to be reflected in your very life. You, your lives, are letters from Christ written by the Spirit of God in order to recommend Jesus to each other and the world. Jesus does not use a disclaimer when he saves you and sends you out into this world, your workplace, your school, or wherever you go. You are not allowed to say with respect to your relationship with Jesus, The views, opinions, and content in my life do not represent or reflect the official position or precepts of Jesus Christ, my Savior, or the church of which I have been affiliated since my conversion. I am hereby not legally bound or subject to disciplinary action for what I'm about to say or do. There's no disclaimer. You represent the name. You represent the being. You represent the triune Lord and God wherever you set your foot. And every single time you open your mouth and live your life. Your words, your actions, you are the aroma of Jesus Christ Himself to God among the world. It is your blessed birthright to be divinely ordained and used to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of the triune God everywhere you go. And that should make you sing. That should make you bless God that the likes of you would be so weightily used by God, so profoundly influential. With respect to God. An instrument poised to advance and extend the kingdom of God. With your words. With your behavior. And how it reflects the living God. The Lord has blessed you and the Lord keeps you. The Lord makes His face to shine upon you and the Lord is gracious to you. The Lord lifts up His countenance upon you and the Lord gives you peace. That's how God in the Old Testament put His name on people. And God certainly continues to expect you to share that name in the way you live. In the way you behave with others. That name uh, is spoken in Numbers chapter 6. And as you know in Psalm 67. It's taken up again. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us. And here's the reason. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For You judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. That name is upon You so that that name might through You be upon the nations. God has blessed you. Your Father, through Jesus by the Spirit, has done this for you. Jesus bore your sin on Calvary to change your name. To make certain your name was written in His Book of Life. Jesus He changed your name. He has given you a new name, a name better than sons and daughters. He says in Isaiah 56, I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. He gives you His very own name. The Lord says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. He puts his name on you so that through you he might extend his kingdom so that on your watch the world becomes a better place because you're in love with him and you're leading others to love him. It's not always that way, but while it's your watch, let's try to make it that way by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God. Your lives in this world are called to represent and reflect God's name. The triune God and His words and works are always your motivation. Jesus knows your name. He changed your name, calls you by His name doesn't motivate you to fill your life with Him, with His Word. In Psalm 8, David said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Twice he says it. He shows in this chapter, Psalm 8, how breathtaking it is that the majestic Lord, the God of all creation, would stoop to even give you a second thought. Not to mention, put dominion over all the earth in your hands. The fact that God loves you and has redeemed you should make your hearts and mouths brim over with praises for the King of Kings. That is what you and I need, a heart filled with God's Word written and Jesus Christ, God's Word, embodied. Paul told the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The psalmist said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It takes effort to live holy. It's not automatic. It takes wise planning to revere and hollow God's name. It begins with knowing His name as it is revealed in the Bible. Seeing how His name relates to you and forming the daily discipline and habit of blessing His name within your heart, with your lips, in your lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. The angels in heaven for whom Jesus did not die never stop blessing the Lord's name, the Lamb's name. And neither should we for whom he died. If the Lord raised up Pharaoh against Pharaoh's own will and used him as an instrument to make his own saving power known, and to proclaim His holy name in all the earth, how much more must that be true of you, called by His name? We are His witnesses in word and deed. His name is on you. Blessed be His name. If the likes of a Pharaoh could be used to proclaim the Lord's name in all the earth, how much more the likes of you the redeemed the converted the saved the delivered be used be desiring to be used to broadcast the name above all names in this world with your lips with your lives may he use you as he desires so that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea, so that the earth might be further filled with the knowledge of God's glory on your watch because of the way you use the name above all names, not with vanity, but with reverence and awe and fear and fervor And even when you hear the name used wrongly, with trembling and with humility and love, you call people to repentance and faith and tell them what's really in that name, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And God bless you.